Hi, it's Dave. Welcome. Today I'm joined by Emmett Peppers from Good Soil Management. Here we're going to be talking about Tesla's upcoming investor day. Uh, we're going to be talking about the state of AI and Tesla stock. Um, Emmett, it's been a while. How have you been? I'm doing well, Dave. Yeah. Uh, it's been a few months since, uh, maybe a couple months since we chatted last, I think, right? So a lot of things yeah. have been changing, a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. And, um, yeah, I'm doing all right. I had shoulder surgery almost three months ago, so I'm just recovering from that, feeling pretty good. So, yeah. Good, How are you good. doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, I've been hanging out here in Austin. Um, been spending most of my time uh, uh, diving into AI and trying to use AI to make a language learning app. Um, mm. And it's uh, fascinating. We've been just doing, um, I have a couple of developers um, on my team, and we're just every day trying out new things. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to get get it right, uh, but we're we're making progress. So yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw you tweet a couple times something about that, and uh, I feel like that you know the 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 large language models are uh, much more fascinating to you than to me. To me, they're like a novelty more. You know. Oh um, really? Than like oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think we're on different levels, you know, like yeah, I, there's yeah. a lot of people on your level, you know, but I'm, I, I'm not totally bought in yet. I mean, I feel like there's something there, but it's right now I can't trust it for any, anything important. You know, it's just sort of a novelty yeah. to play with right now for me, but maybe yeah. it's just the beginning of something and it'll get better and I'll trust it in the bench eventually. I don't know. Or maybe yeah. the prop maybe once you start trusting it, that's our doom. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, AI, yeah I, I have mixed feelings, but I do think it's, um, the biggest game changer of our lifetime. And I feel wow. like this moment right now, the past three months have been epic, have been the the shifting, the turning point. And yeah. over the next one to two years, we're gonna have an onslaught of just yeah. massive change with artificial intelligence. Um, yeah. yeah, this is, let's, yeah, we'll talk about that um, a bit yep. um, later after Investor Day. So let's dive into um, yes. um, Investor Day. And um, I wanna ask you, I guess, first off, um, for those who don't know, uh, Tesla's hosting their Investor Day um, on March 1st, on Wednesday. The last Investor Day, it's been quite a while. Um, they didn't ever have really Investor Day. It was like, they just had annual meeting day. You know, did they yeah. really have an Investor Day before? There was like an AI yeah, day. Yeah, I remember in early 2019, they called it Autonomy Day, but they invited mm. only investors. It was in mostly institutional mm. investors. Um, yeah. To me, that was their last kind of, um, uh, investor day and it was and a time that, where right? yeah yeah i was there it was a time where the stock was um was struggling <laughs> yeah and investor yeah. day actually didn't help much um no. but yeah so the stock um has been struggling but has been rebounded rebounding since uh, january um, after they made an announcement so i'm curious what do you think what's the most exciting kind of part of investor day or what announcement or presentation are you looking forward to the most the master plan part three, you know, I think the, that's the long-term conviction you can get with, you know, behind Tesla stock price. Short-term, if I was a betting man, like, and and was not partial to Tesla with a long bias, like I'm so long Tesla, but if I was just like, if I knew what I knew and I didn't have any Tesla positions whatsoever, and I wasn't really interested, I just want to make a short-term play. I definitely buy like short-term puts on Tesla because after these big days like battery day or, you know, I went to battery day, that was great. And I remember seeing the stock price crash, you know, that after hours and the next day and Cybertruck unveiling the stock price crashed. The only time the stock really 
went up a lot after one of these big days I can recall is Model 3. When you and I went to the Model 3 event together years ago. Was it 2017 or 18? I don't know. But after the Model 3 unveiling that night, you know, when they had like crazy reservation numbers, I think it caught a lot of investors off guard, even with the hype going into it. And there was great specs and such on the car. And uh, the stock went up, you know, I think, I don't know, five or 10% the next day or the next couple of days every day went up significantly. But also maybe the macro environment for the stock market was better at that time. I'm not sure. I forget exactly. But I know I remember that was like the last big event where the Tesla stock kind of actually went up and rallied after the event. Every other event, you know, AI day, it's gone down, right? I mean, can you recall another event where the stock has actually gone not gone down afterwards i can't i can't yeah i'm not sure most of the time it's sell, on, sell, sell the news i think yeah uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah so i mean we're all excited i'm long-term investor i'm really excited to find out what to hold me down yeah. conviction you know get my conviction going get me riled up for the long term but short term i'm not sure the stock is going to react positive it's possible but um you know what i think it'll be master plan part three i think there's going to be this model three highland project this is my speculation mm -hmm. model three is going to be the high this highland project we've all heard about where it'll be like revamped refreshed just like the model s and x have were refreshed it'll be a major refresh of the model three they'll be able to produce it much less expensively maybe it'll be a single die cast machine or something that we've heard rumors of a new die cast these new you know giga presses being delivered um, and it'll be, you know, they'll be able to produce it for like 25% less money, you know, and they'll be able to sell it for 20% less, some ridiculously, and it'll look cooler, have better features. It'll be relatively the same car, the same platform, but it's going to be just a refreshed version, newer technology, and people will want it. It'll really drum up demand for the Model 3 because it'll be less expensive too. And then I think this Model 2 everyone's talking about, I think that's sort of, my opinion is that it's sort of like the robo-taxi. And it's not necessarily going to be a cheap, compact car. I think the Model 3 is going to be the cheaper, less expensive, compact car over time. But I think this Model 2 robo-taxi is going to be something completely different, kind of, I'm not exactly sure. I wouldn't be surprised if the AI bot is like a combo with it. And that's the vision for the future. Like this robo taxi with the bot drives around, the bot can do things for you or whatever. Maybe that's like the future vision he, he, he plans, or you, you know, you can ride the robo taxi as if it's like an Uber, the bot will be somehow combined with it maybe. Um, and then the bots will do other things, you know, too, but maybe that's the future vision he lays out like five years out in the future or something. That's my speculation. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's a question. So, I mean, the biggest part of the the presentation I'm looking forward to is their next-gen vehicle platform. So it's the half the cost, you know, double the speed, half the, the factory floor space, all that. Um, and I think the question is, uh, yeah, I'm curious how Elon will, will um, approach it. It's FSD isn't ready yet, you know, to have this, to have, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of robo taxis on the road. So mm -hmm. you want to be able to time it at the, where this new vehicle robo taxi platform can, can ramp as kind of robo taxi ramps. But the question is like, how do you know that exact time, you know, or even within several months, it's really hard. And so, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm curious with you, have you been testing FSD a lot lately? Or like, what's your kind of, your gut feeling on when you think RoboTaxi will be able to be, will be prime time, will be ready, right, for, for kind of this big rollout? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think 
the technology, the number of nines of safety where early adopters would be comfortable using it in the US would be maybe end of this year, this calendar year, but whether, you know, regulations will, you know, state, I guess certain states or cities will have to authorize it first, maybe like Miami or Austin or something like that would have to geofence a certain area, sort of like I think they're testing out in China in that way for other car companies. Um, so I, I would think that's the first early versions of it, maybe end of this year is my guess. Um, fourth quarter or something like that. Because I think this new version 11 is sort of a new full stack architecture that hopefully will allow for a faster acceleration again. I think we saw that like a year and a half ago or whatever. There was some new kind of platform, like infrastructure put out there that allowed it to kind of get faster iterations. And so hopefully this new full stack with version 11 will allow for faster iterations and improvements since it's all highway and you know, regular roads combined as well. And I'm imagining if that happens, we'll start seeing new releases every two or four weeks again and significant improvements. And if that happens, I could see the end of this year being good enough for certain cities, you know, allow it. And Tesla works with certain city jurisdictional governments, you know, to, to get it in place, whether it's, you know, San Francisco, Miami or Austin or Phoenix or something like that. And, it'll work really well there. And then they'll just expand it over time. And, you know, within a year or two after that, it'll probably be just, it would be available in the whole country. I would imagine. That's my guess. That's my speculation on yeah. where we're at in yeah. the curve. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of a little bit, I'm kind of um, maybe a year later than you right now. I feel like um, um, the kind of the testing phase will be maybe 2024 um, rolling out in, in different municipalities that are on a small scale. Um, mm -hmm. I don't see until maybe 2025 when we get more of the volume of robo taxis. Um, and like, I don't know, the question is what, at what time will we have a hundred thousand, let's say robo taxis, right. On mm -hmm. the roads that aren't just being used like 10 minutes a day, but actually like, you know, at least four or five hours a day. And that, I don't know. I mean, I don't see that happening before 2025. Um, mm -hmm. I'm thinking maybe 2025, to, you know, if things don't go well, maybe 2026. But um, if that's the case, then Tesla will have to kind of ramp perhaps RoboTaxi. Maybe they start production in 2024 and they kind of do kind of test municipalities expecting mm -hmm. to ramp in 2025, right? More with RoboTaxi. Mm -hmm. But it, it's, there's a lot of questions like, will this next generation platform, you know, produce uh, non robot taxi uh, consumer cars too right cheaper cars mm -hmm. that people just want to you know own and drive um will they have steering wheels will it be you know i mean uh it's gonna there's a lot of questions here right? you know yeah um yeah what are your thoughts is this going to be just a purely robot taxi platform or do you yeah. think people are going to be i think so this car too? i think it's a car designed to be a robot taxi it might even be like a robo van um you know i know you're it might be bigger than just like a smaller robo taxi it might have lots of functionality within it and it's so inexpensive to drive it you know so um my guess is it'll be something bigger like a robo van of some sort can it can transport cargo or several people or one person maybe there'd be some with like a bed in it or some that have like cool entertainment within it you could use i'm just you know, throwing ideas or spitballing ideas here, but there's a yeah. lot of possibilities if they make it into a bigger vehicle than just a compact little car. 
Um, and, and maybe the robo van can transport the, the, the bot, the Tesla bot to do different things or, you know, I mean, I know that Tesla bot, Elon, no one talks about that still. Like yeah. we had the AI day and, you know, Elon is serious about this Tesla bot, you know, Optimus and hardly, I don't hear any investors really speculate on, I mean, it's, it's in the conversation when people list out bullet points of things in the future to be bullish about it's certainly there, but there's not a whole lot of discussion about it anymore. You know, I, I think it's a very important product. Elon has said, you know, it's going to be bigger than the car, right? I mean, and it's it's serious, you know. So I think there's going to be some news about the bot in this in this investor day. Yeah, I'm like, um, I consider the bot and Robotaxi kind of the next. I guess Robotaxi is the next generation platform, but t the whole FSD plus humanoid robot. Um, it enables a whole nother platform of autonomous logistics. You could deliver yeah. goods and services. Um, you could, you, delivery. it's not just transportation. It becomes this huge, another field where, delivery. yeah, mm -hmm. you can have platform advertising, you know, to the marketplace, all sorts of stuff. And so to me, that's kind of the next generation, right? Mm. Um, beyond just vehicles is this, what happens when Robotaxi and humanoid robot and autonomous, you know, logistics and everything come together. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if 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 this is the right kind of platform at Investor Day um, because it's mm. kind of like Tesla needs to execute first on Robotaxi <laughs> and right before they yeah. talk about all this other stuff. But we'll see. I mean, yeah, yeah it depends yeah. on I guess the mood uh, and the approach that Elon takes. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like China doesn't seem to be ready for a you know, next-gen robo-taxi vehicle because t Tesla hasn't been, it seems like, really focused on autonomous mm. driving in China um, to date. So mm -hmm. it would make sense, perhaps, that in China, Tesla designs and manufactures a cheaper vehicle for the Chinese market that's not robo-taxi focused initially, right? So it's mm -hmm. maybe it's a different uh, line of design that's like, cheaper design, a next generation, you know, smaller vehicle, but that's not based on robotaxi kind of platform. Yeah. Um, so maybe there's, there's more things going on than we, than we, than we realize. Maybe the robotaxi next gen is the U S market or, mm -hmm. you know, that's the focus. Maybe China has something up their sleeves, you know, with the lower cost. Yeah. Vehicle. I mean, there was that design studio in China. I mean, they've been doing something there, right? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking they're redesigning and refreshing the Model 3 to be super cool, still be the Model 3 platform, but just a cooler version. You know, Chinese consumers want the newer, cooler versions of things, and maybe they'll just have the newer, cooler version of the Model 3, you know, continuously there and the U.S. as, as well, but it'll be redesigned in China every couple of years or something. That's one idea I'm thinking about. But yeah, I think the RoboTaxi, you know, platform might be something, you know, completely separate from the Model 3 refresh and uh, the RoboTaxi, some people call it Gen 2, but I'm not sure if it's going to be a compact car, like a $25,000 car, or like a robo van that's just designed to be a robo, you know, autonomous vehicle. And whatever the cost of it cost to build, whether it's, you know, 25000 or 50000 if it's a van, maybe it's like 40000 or something to build it. But because it can go, you can get so much use out of it, 20 to 24 hours a day of it utility, um, then it doesn't really matter what it costs because it's going to generate so much revenue itself just by being autonomous and all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you brought up this whole thing of, you know, buying puts or selling the news. Um, <laughs> I look at some of these events, especially with, with Elon is he brings like this super ambitious, um, kind of angle to things where normally in a typical type of, you know, 
Apple type of company or Google type of company, the next vehicle after the Model 3 will be incrementally better, better not revolutionarily better. You know, mm-hmm. it's just somewhat cheaper, somewhat smaller. You know, you just kind of do the safe, yeah. safe the predictable route. But yeah. Elon throws a curveball here and he's really shooting for like revolutionary, like really huge step change, right? In terms mm-hmm. of how the product is made, what the product is for, his capabilities and everything. And I think like he's going to show this on all aspects in Investor Day, where it's like, for example, with securing uh, battery materials, you know, for cells. Um, it's just going to be a huge, massive, super ambitious, you know, goal with all these crazy numbers thrown out and Tesla's mm-hmm. like crazy plans to do it. And I think what happens is there's a dichotomy. It, it splits the audience where half the audience, I don't know what number specifically, but half the audience, yeah. it goes over their head and they're like, yeah. what the heck is this real? Like, you know, what is yeah. he talking about? I don't know if I could trust him, et cetera. Right. It kind of sparks this resistance, but then yeah. the other half, it's like, oh my gosh, this is the next Thanks big thing. Sense. Right. It's, it. they believe it. They, they, they see it and they're like, yeah. oh my gosh, this is it. And so I kind of think, you know, that's, you know, typically, um, what's going to happen. Um, I think, some similar things happen, let's say, with the humanoid, you know, robot announcement, mm. AI day. Um, I think yeah. Investor Day is going to be similar. There's going to be this dichotomy. Yeah. Um, it'll give fuel to the shorts because they'll be like, you know, it's crazy claims, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it'll give uh, concrete plans for those who believe in Tesla. Um, but for me, it's more personally, I look at it as it's a, a thing to hold Tesla accountable for. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're laying out their plans. And I love, like, back in the day in, like, two thousand maybe for 13, 14, like Elon was talking about 500,000 cars by 2020, right? On mm-hmm. their next generation platform. That was his goal. That was his numbers. That was his date. And he gave it like maybe 2013 or so. Um, and that, I like that stuff because it gives accountability of, you know, exactly the date and the time, you know, the, the units yeah. and all that. And I think, um, yeah, with, with this investor day, that's what I'm kind of looking for. I'm looking for, you know, what are the numbers? What are the dates? What's the ambitious plans? Sure, they might slip, you know, a year or two, but mm-hmm. um, what would be worse if the if Elon and the team were, were super cautious and afraid mm-hmm. to take risks and mm-hmm. just saying, oh, we've got this great car that's 10% less cost yeah. than the Model 3, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what the heck, you know? That would be actually yeah. the worst case, I think. Um, yeah. 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 No, I know what you're saying. I remember in 2014 or somewhere around there, he uh, did the presentation of the Powerwall unveiling. And in that presentation, if you remember, he like gives his vision, like it shows a picture of the sun and is like, look, we have the largest fusion reactor for free in the sky all the time. Let's use it and with our solar panels but then the missing pieces of the batteries with the power walls here and it just clicked for me i was like this and i was telling everyone and people would be like it just go over their head but a lot of people and tesla investors got it and it took years to kind of really make sense but now i think people are grasping that you really just need solar panels and batteries for like 90 percent of where the population on the earth is you know the other 10 percent, maybe where it's dark or whatever you know you don't you can you can work on other things but like that kind of combination that Elon has been pushing is take takes a while to I think for the general population to like really grasp it and come to terms with these ideas that Elon brings forth you know like 
EVs being a better car took so long, but now I think everyone's starting to realize EVs are a better car, you know? And so same with, you know, solar and batteries, you know, the mega packs are helping to change that, you know, but I think maybe there's, you know, solar roofs on all the houses are helping to change, you know, make it more aesthetically pleasing and making people realize, Hey, these are really, really nice looking and, you know, functional. And, you know, so there's a lot of visions that Elon puts forth that it does take a while for the general population to grasp it goes over their head so let's just yeah this investor day there's something up his sleeve he's going to present and it's it's going to be interesting if if i grasp onto it right away or if i'm like skeptical i don't know i haven't been skeptical of stuff elon said in a long you know hardly ever but i'm curious if i will be because naturally i try to be skeptical of things new yeah. whether it's chat I, GTP or whatever i mean to play the other side there are things that <clears throat> tesla and elon do that takes much longer then yes, it's a while than they expect. Um, and I think that's a fair criticism, you know? Um, and the, and that's, the, that's the thing. They can't focus on everything, right? You've got to focus mm -hmm. on, on the most important things. I think generally speaking, Tesla does very well when they focus on the most important things like manufacturing vehicles, right? Ramping, producing mm -hmm. all that stuff. Um, that's more predictable within their, their kind of scope. There's certain things that like are not the biggest priority. Like for example, solar roof or some others, even yeah. even Tesla Energy. Um, um, maybe it's becoming a bigger priority, but in the past it just wasn't the top priority. Yeah. And so things can progress a little slower than people expect. Um, Semi trucks taking a while. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but I think with their top priorities, right? When it was the Model Three or the Model Y, etc., gigafactories ramping them, they do quite well. So yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Do you think they'll announce a new gigafactory? Um, I would hope so. I mean, it's been coming for a while. Like, there was lots of rumors about Canada and now yeah. it's Mexico. So I would think Mexico and also Indonesia seems to be, you know, some talks there. So I would hope they kind of officially announce it sooner than later. You know, I hate to see all these things drag on with, you know, red tape and bureaucratic, you know, you know, issues of water regulations. I don't really know the details of the water, but I would think there's, they could get water there if they had to, you know, so yeah, I don't know for sure how that works, but I know in Brandenburg, there was an issue with water. They got over, you know, Brandenburg was like, Germany was just a nightmare of, you know, bureaucratic red tape. It took so long <laughs> for, we would talk about it and we were like, I wonder if it's going to be another two years or whatever. And, you know, so I hope it's not like that with wherever they're picking next. I think that would be a top priority of theirs to like wherever they go next to make sure there's the least amount of red tape possible. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, definitely a possibility. Um, um, I mean, he's going <laughs> to, Elon's going to have to share some plans on how he's going to, you know, yeah. achieve these massive goals of yeah. uh, battery uh, uh, materials, you know? Um, yeah. I'm curious, like, what their strategy is. Are they, you know, going to acquire companies? Are they getting into mining and refining? Mm -hmm. um, kind of how are they going, how they're going to approach that? Um, I hope Elon lays yeah. out, you know, that strategy. Um, how about boring company in SpaceX? I, I think um, Elon mentioned in a tweet that you'll have sections or, or mention, you know, boring company and SpaceX at the investor day. Yeah. Do you think there's, That's I mean, interesting. what kind of overlap do you think, you know, might be shared? Well, if they get into mining, you know, somehow like boring company could be quite useful sure. to help with that. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. The boring company could be helpful with lots of things with new gigafactories. I would imagine, um, 
so yeah, the SpaceX part of it, I, you know, I'm not sure either. I mean, it's interesting. He's going to talk about his grand kind of future vision with all of those things combined. I can see all these things combined for, 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 for colonizing Mars. And I know that's like a big goal of his, but I'm not sure he's going to present that as, as his master plan part three. Like this is how we get to Mars and colonize Mars. I think he wants to present it for like how to make, how Tesla is going to evolve to be the biggest company in the world and do so many things like here on earth, you know? Yeah. 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 What do you think about the SpaceX and boring company involvement for yeah, yesterday? I, I mean, for SpaceX, I mean, I could see perhaps like, you know, how they had this announcement with, I think, T-Mobile, where you could get emergency self-service anywhere um, mm -hmm. through Starlink. And I, I mean, maybe, I mean, I could see all Tesla cars having, getting that capability. Um, yeah. But I don't know if Investor Day would be the right place to announce it or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of boring company, either partnering with them to mine or just acquiring the boring company outright, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. that might be interesting. But I don't know, again, if Investor Day is the right place to, to yeah. announce that either. Um, yeah. What do you think about Hardware 4? Do you think Investor Day, they'll cover um, FSD Hardware 4 at all? They might mention it. They might. I wouldn't surprise me if they don't mention it because I don't think they yeah. want to, um, you know, make it seem that it's necessary for full self-driving, but I think they still believe that FSD is going to be possible with hardware three, but the hardware four will just make it a little bit safer, a little, you know, better, you know, just like you're, they're always going to, there's going to be a hardware five and a hardware six eventually, you know, but from hardware three on up, FSD will be available. Just how many nines of safety, or maybe there's certain roads on hardware three that it, might not be available on or something whereas hardware for it would be or something you know yeah. so that's my guess so i don't think he wants to highlight it because i don't think he wants everyone who's bought into hardware 3 to feel you know they were fooled yeah. or something what do you think yeah yeah i think maybe downplaying it might be the best option i, I don't know yeah. i mean yeah it's a tough one um either that or announce some type of retrofitting or trade in something where people mm -hmm have old, the older hardware, you know, aren't completely, you know, there isn't a big dichotomy. I know the the <clears throat> the company, you know, stance is, oh, you know, hardware four, um, don't worry if you have hardware three, it's still gonna work, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's true to some extent, because yeah, it'll work, it'll get better over time, it'll leverage the improvements, but there's a few other things as one is, it's, I mean, it's hard for Tesla to focus on on maintaining, you know, two different hardware suites and all this stuff over time, you have to, mm -hmm. you know, focus on one eventually. And I could mm -hmm. see them over time focusing more on hardware four. Um, <clears throat> and then the other thing is, I think there is this thing where, you know, we just don't know how good hardware three is going to be. Like, is it mm -hmm. going to be significantly way better? Not just What's two times or, yeah. but like wait, not just three times, but is it going to be really much better than a human driver where it's like, you don't have any qualm getting in a hardware three car, right. Um, mm -hmm. to drive anywhere, or is there going to be something where, um, and then the second question is, is hardware four, is it going to enable the, the faster computer, bigger neural nets, better sensors, whatever, is it going to enable not just a tiny incremental improvement, but actually a significant improvement where it matters, you know, um, to the people in the car for safety, et cetera. And so, and yeah. then the other question is when do those rollouts happen? You know, is it happen 
maybe the first year or two there you, there is no noticeable difference between hardware three and four. Yeah. Maybe it takes a while, um, but there are, yeah. there are definitely a lot of questions. I think, um, yeah, that hardware four brings up. Um, yeah, I don't know. Again, I don't know if investor day yeah. would be the best time to to deal with yeah. all that. I'm going to want a hardware four car eventually when FSD comes out for sure. You know, I'll, I'll trade in my hardware three for hardware four and, 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 and a lot of people will be able to afford to do that, but some people it'll yeah. be too expensive and it's not worth it. And they'll just wait maybe a little longer for their hardware three car to get the same capability that hardware four has or something like that is my guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, moving on to Tesla stock. So, um, curious, uh, what kind of what do you see with the markets overall right now like what where, mm -hmm. where, what's what's your thinking um do you think are you kind of optimistic are you more cautious um do you think I'm, there's yeah i'm cautiously optimistic to combine those two words i guess you know i think there's a lot of fear that at this moment every week it's a little different right now and it feels like we're just kind of kind of bounce back and forth in a range um the macro market determines the direction of all the stocks right now. Uh, unfortunately, it's not a stock pickers, you know, you can have some success with Tesla or some names if the market's trading kind of sideways and, and the names you pick kind of do well. And, you know, with um, earnings reports and such, they go up and such, but, and that that's sort of what you want, but it's, it's sort of um, blinded by, you know, these, these, you know, Friday, yes, you know, the other day, two days ago on Friday, the whole mark, the whole, all the growth stocks went down like four or 5% plus, you know, it's just like this new, you know, PCE indicator, the news, the indicator of the week from that everyone's watching to see if the Fed's going to raise 50 basis points or 25 basis points in their March meeting. And so that indicator pointed that, oh no, the Fed's maybe going to raise it 50 basis points instead of 25. So the whole, all the growth stocks react and it's just like a massive wave of, of, you know, across the board selling pressure on all the perceived growth tech stocks, which Tesla is grouped into that basket. Um, so that, I don't, I don't like this at all, uh, this type of investing environment, but I am cautiously optimistic that we're, we're getting to the end of this kind of these waves, um, of, of buying or selling based on what everyone's thinking the fed's going to do or not, because once the fed stops raising rates, which hopefully will be by the summer, then uh, I think the market can kind of settle in its place and, and, and maybe in the opposite happens when it starts thinking the, the Fed's going to start lowering rates, there's going to be a wave of buying of growth stocks every once in a while, um, instead of a wave of selling like there is now. So it's just uh, unfortunate that, you know, the Fed has to, you know, it moves the market so much and uh, it's, it's not fun as a individual investor of stocks because then you see your stocks that you're, you know, these companies, you just go up and down wildly and you're like, well, nothing changed in the company in the last two weeks, what's going on? And then it's like, oh, well, the fed is probably going to raise 50 basis points down of 25. And that's why, you know, so it's uh that's the number one driver of stocks right now is what the speculation on what the fed's going to do. And then I'm also worried about this Ukraine, Russia situation escalating, you know, it's been a little over a year now. And uh, I'm just worried that it escalates into something much worse, you know, in the spring or summer this year that um, maybe like, a, a, you know, everyone stops talking about nukes, but I, I, you know, I think the tactical nuke, you know, would 
cause a lot of fear in the markets, even though it, it might not be, you know, as bad on the ground as, um, you know, as what's already been going on, just the word nuke, nuke, you know, even though it's a tactical nuke, just the, just the use of it would cause a lot of fear, I think in, in the broader markets. So those are the two things I'm, I'm, you know, in the macro market, that's really driving stocks. But if those things kind of get under control to some degree, then I think, uh, I'm cautious, I'm, I'm more optimistic. So I'm cautious that those two things can be contained um and not get out of control but those are the two big risks i see what do you yeah. think dave what are, what yeah. are your views so, on the macro market or yeah, the market? So i was thinking about this idea because it seems like you know there are there's this general mood in the markets of like trying to time the market and um, not wanting to invest too early or wanting to see it go down and kind of this mm -hmm. this hope of timing the perfect bottom right um mm -hmm. and <clears throat> I think there are times where maybe a, a bottom could be easier or easier to spot kind of like back in COVID you had this kind of, you know, the fed pivot where, you know, Jerome Powell goes and says, basically we'll support the, you know, everything unlimited. Um, yeah. And, but then there, I think there are other times where maybe it won't be, and it, it won't be so obvious. Um, the, the changes happening. And I think um, if, someone has like more of a longer holding period where they're looking to hold a stock for 10 years or 15 years or something very long term, then I look at it more as like, you know, either, you know, um, just um, solely buying into the stock over time and not worrying about the price or mm -hmm. just take it more as a season, like mm -hmm. the six to 12 month season, I'm not going to get the perfect price. But I'll yeah. just, you know, kind of space in my buying and buy what I want to buy right for this season yeah. where you're less so focused on trying to snipe the, the exact bottom, right? Because, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, that's extremely difficult to happen. But if your holding period is shorter, let's say your holding period is like six months or, or less or something, 12 months, you need the money yeah. or something, then maybe you do want to like kind of, you know, see what you can do to to time it more. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it, to me, it doesn't make sense. Like someone has like more of a longer holding period, like 10 years, but yet, you know, they're trying to snipe the exact bottom of the market. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe some people can do it, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm very, not I don't know anyone who's done it consistently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's tough. I agree a hundred percent with you. And as a long-term Tesla investor in my like personal funds, I am completely comfortable. Um, I, got rid of you know that, that I have a tiny margin balance but nothing substantial and I've have all my taxes paid off thank goodness so it was hard to work out in my personal account so now that I'm in that position I'm very comfortable with my personal Tesla holding long term and I'm excited for investor day for that you know it's it's I'm I'm excited for the long term potential of my Tesla stock but the fund I manage with Matt you know, it's much more shorter term focused, just shorter term place. You know, it's, it's the aggressive, more aggressive, like trying to snipe the bottom or trying to, you know, get an outsized return versus just holding Tesla stock over the long term, you know, that kind of thing. So there is a lot of pressure in that compartment of that fund. Um, and so it's a different mindset for managing that vehicle. And that's the mindset that's, I wouldn't say it's more exciting. It's more stressful in a good way and a bad way, yeah. but it's definitely makes me think a lot more about the shorter term movements. But for my bigger portion of wealth in my personal Tesla holdings, 
I'm completely relaxed about, you know, where it's going in the future and excited, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right, last topic I wanted to get your thoughts on artificial intelligence, um, AGI. So Elon tweeted today, he said he's having a bit of AI existential angst today, uh, but all things considered with regard to AGI, existential angst, I would prefer to be alive now to witness AGI than be alive in the past and not. Um, and then <clears throat> I think it was like two or three days ago, OpenAI published a blog post on AGI mm -hmm. or artificial general intelligence and kind of their thoughts on how to kind of, I would say, welcome AGI and what their priorities are. And I think the general sense is that um, with these large language models that the general sense of people working on them is that AGI is inevitable and that yeah. it's just a matter of time and that time w will be a lot quicker than most people have previously thought. Um, mm -hmm. And in context, a lot of the people working on these large language models, they're working on the next step, the next generation, next stuff that we were not seeing. Um, yeah. And I, even with chat GPT, it's like, um, 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 open AI, um, CEO, Sam, he was saying that they, they had the technology, I think it was for over a year, you know, and it wasn't until they, they put the interface and released it that actually you know, went ballistic. And so yeah. there are a lot of, you know, the big players who are sitting on, you know, technology that we, we haven't seen yet. And so they're even closer than what we might see with the things we're trying out. Um, mm -hmm. So anyways, I'm curious um, your thoughts on kind of the state of AI, AGI. Is it a, a threat, mm -hmm. a risk? Do you see any opportunities actually um, with AI yeah. and investing? Yeah, I mean... I guess I, 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 uh, Elon had commented on this and I saw some other people comment on it on this, this bankless, uh, podcast YouTube channel with, uh, this guy, uh, um, Eliza Yudkowsky. I think he's well known in like machine learning for, you know, a while. And he's basically such a doomsday guy. Like I listen to it. If you want, if you listen to that podcast, it's going to really make, if you take it seriously, it really freaks you out. You know, that he's like a total doomser of uh ai doomer you know like we got yeah. three years and then we're all probably going to be dead you know <laughs> so it, you know i listened to that and he has you know an argument i'm not sure i buy his argument but i don't know like i know i don't know like that's what i know and i think um it could go any number of ways in my mind and that's one way it could go i admit like i don't know what that probability is whether it's you know two percent or 50% or like this guy thinks it's probably like 80% or 90% prob probable that it's going to kill us all in three or five years or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the probability of that scenario is, but I know it's a scenario. And so there's other scenarios where, you know, we all merge with AI and life is just, you know, it's, it's kittens and lucky charms and rainbows, you know, and, and that's a great scenario too, potentially, but I don't know what the probability of that scenario is either. So it is changing fast and it's being forced upon us one way or another. Not it's forced because just human, um, you know, humans, we can't stop all humans collectively from researching AGI. You know, there's going to be some companies or some venture capital people putting money on it to different companies. It's going to be developed. It's just whether the right people do it and they do it the right way. 
And so um, Sam Altman and OpenAI, they seem like one of the leaders, if not the leader, um, but we don't know what's behind the scenes. Like you said, it, the other other developers, you know, but the fact that Andre Karpathy went to OpenAI, that says a lot that they're probably a leader. Um, what did you think about that, by the way? I kind of speculate, you know, yeah. Elon didn't like it and he unfollowed Andre after that. I kind of speculate that maybe OpenAI recruited Andre a year ago and he doesn't want to burn bridges with Elon. And he says, okay, let me go on a sabbatical and then leave Tesla and think of it over. And if I, I'll leave Tesla and then I'll be on a break for six months before I join you. So it's separation from Tesla. That's kind of what I think that they recruited him a while back and, and, you know, somehow in a back channel communications, whatever. And that it was, it wasn't like he woke up one day and was like, I think I'm going to join OpenAI and apply. You know, I don't think that's what happened. I think they probably were trying to recruit him for a long time, maybe because it's an AI war. Like whoever develops this first is going to be, have the keys to who knows what. Right. So that's my thought about Andre going there that he was recruited a while ago. And, uh, um, but maybe Sam Altman and Andre and the people there are the right people to develop it first. Um, if anyone, I don't know, Elon concerned. What do you think about, about yeah, I mean, AI? I, I'm giving, I'm giving Andre Karpati the benefit of the doubt where, you know, I'm assuming he decided later. Um, but, um, I could see Elon being not happy because he looks at open AI as just basically just being controlled by Microsoft and, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> he doesn't have very high kind of, uh, thoughts about that. And so you have your best AI guy, um, you know, go to what he thinks is a problem. Um, and he, I think he's looking at open, open AI as, as, as not as, as kind of very, um, as not the ideal kind of steward for AGI. Um, I think that concerns, mm -hmm. uh, Elon. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know if he, he, if he doesn't trust kind of, you know, the, they've got this structure that open AI where they have a nonprofit foundation that kind of oversees, but yet Microsoft owns like almost half of the company. Um, and they have mm -hmm. certain caps that investors can get, I think it's like a hundred X max returns. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it does highlight an interesting thing though, that, um, that I think for Andre Karpathy, the, these large language models are where the action's at. It's where the most exciting kind of advancements with with AI are right now, and mm -hmm. um, I mean maybe not maybe there are other areas, but at least I think for him he sees that as the biggest kind of um, place to be, and he wants to be oh, there. Most interesting difference, mm -hmm. yeah. And he sees that, um, yeah. I think he sees like that's the thing. A lot of these like guys working on these cutting edge large language language models, they're thinking they won't say it publicly because. They don't want to be held accountable with predictions, but I think privately they're thinking AGI in three to five years or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. and they're, yeah. they're, just, yeah. they're just thinking inevitable. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, and that's the other thing is what do you consider AGI and some, yeah, Sam Altman how do you define was, it? Yeah. Sam yeah. Altman was saying his definition. And I think a lot of people are kind of siding with this is it's more, you have AI that is smarter than a human on most all intellectual, on most intellectual tasks. Um, and that's different than super intelligence, which is the digital kind of AI is, is, um, is, is bigger, more powerful than all of the combined human 
intelligence in the world. That's super intelligence. But so super intelligence, everyone is pushing out further. And but they're, mm. we're talking about artificial ge- general intelligence. Where is when will Chat GPT or something like that become better at most intellectual tasks than the average human? Mm-hmm. Right. That's the question with AGI. <clears throat> yeah. And, and so, once it does that, though, the theory is it can reprogram itself to be better than a, a human could reprogram itself. And then that reprogram version could reprogram itself again and again and again. It could do it all very quickly and become like that super intelligent pretty quickly. That's the, th- I guess, the theory yeah. that like this guy from the Bankless show was talking about. And then when it reprograms itself so many times, how do you know it's not prioritizing to, you know, um, destroy humans at that point because they're all yeah. living things because it has some other pri- priority that we can't even predict, you know, because we don't know how to, how to even predict what's going on with these large language models that were evidently seen with the release of chat GTP. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take a while. I don't know. I mean, that's like to get to this place where, you know, AGI will be able to code good enough or better than the best of humans to mm-hmm. improve itself. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think that's at the exact AGI because AGI turning point is where AI can do most intellectual tasks better than average human. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they're it's going to be ready to you know just improve itself ongoing um, yet. Yeah. I mean that could be at a certain time. Um, but the question though, and I don't think enough people are talking about this, is how far is even the current version of ChatGPT from reaching AGI? Like this level yeah. where it can do most intellectual tasks better than humans. I think the the wake up the the key kind of turning point was that ChatGPT can actually do most writing tasks better than the average human right now. Yeah, right? like you give it yeah. like. Yeah. Give me an essay on World War II's like whatever. Yeah. I had to write me a twelve chapter book the other night that I was like reading the whole thing. I was like interested. I was like I had just a you know idea of a science fiction novel, and I was like, can you write yeah. me the first chapter? And then I was like, the next chapter, can you make it twelve chapters? And then I wrote all twelve exactly. chapters. And I was like, that's a pretty decent book. I mean, it wasn't like superstar book, but it was like a better book than I could write. That's for sure. I was like, yeah, sure. yeah, that's the thing. It has mistakes, but the average human like can it really you know, draft something, you know, like a, a 12, yeah. 12 chapter like fiction fantasy novel or something, right? Some people will take yeah. years to do that. Um, yeah. And so it does better at generating, right? These, you know, long pieces, essays, chapters, books, and then it does better than most humans on summarizing like large mm-hmm. pieces of, of reports or data or information too. And then it does better with poetry. And then you you move over into the whole photo generation and then you've got just within the past three months or so, you have this shift in photo generation, especially with mm-hmm. Midjourney and others where now AI can be can make better photos than the average mm-hmm. human, better art than the average human uh, consistently, right? Yeah. Um, like actually yeah. six months ago, this wasn't the case. Yeah. Six months ago, AI couldn't make art consistently better than, than, than the average, let's say, artist or human. Just six months ago, it was really just within yeah. the past six months that this has happened. And also, yeah. you know, it's really just within like, you know, the past six months where at least with ChatGPT, the whole, you know, uh, text generation and summarization went public when people can actually use it. And so we're talking about stuff that's just happening. And then in the past couple of months, you have music going on where now AI mm-hmm. is shifting and able to um, 
to create music. And I don't think it's at the point where it can create music better than the average human, but mm -hmm. it seems almost inevitable by the end of the year that it will be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so you have text, you have photos, you have music, yeah, you still have videos, right? To, to yeah, do. it's funny. It's disrupting yeah. art first, and then it's yeah. and then and then white collars, then blue collar workers. Everyone thought AI would disrupt blue collar workers, then white collars, and then artists would be the last to be disrupted. But it's like the reverse, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I look at it as AI will disrupt anything it has data for. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it doesn't matter white collar, blue collar. It just needs data, and if it has yeah. the data, then it's going to disrupt it. It's going to copy it and you know, be able to do whatever. It's just that people have given, put all this digital data, right, online, yeah. made it available, all these photos, all these images and yeah. pictures and text, right? And so that's what AI is going after, is going after what has data. But everything is 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 gonna be sucked up into the abyss of AI because, um, yeah. you know, all physical stuff, you just, it just, it, AI doesn't have enough data to be a plumber yet. Yeah. Right? It doesn't have yeah. all the, the things it needs, but eventually it will get all that data. Yeah. The way I think of it is like a similar technology to the neural networks Tesla is using to develop full self-driving. But when you develop that type of neural network technology for art, then it doesn't have to be many nines correct, right? It could be like yeah. one nine correct and it still looks like really cool art, you know? And then same with like um, writing books or essays. It doesn't have to be 99.99999% accurate. It could be just 99% accurate and people will, won't be able to tell the difference. It'll still look really good. Maybe they'll find a number mismatched in a report or something that it didn't reference correctly or something, you know? But it doesn't ruin the experience to the most part, you know? But it's it still needs to be pretty. And then when you get but when you get to full self driving, where it's like life or death, if you make a mistake, it has to be, you know, that's the hardest. You know, it seems like the dumbest thing to be able to do, but actually the the stakes are much higher because it's related to the physical world and it's death machine that could mow someone over easily. So it's really interesting to think about the neural networks, even though Elon has been and Tesla has been applying it for full self driving. It's just now being used for the things that it's easy to use it for, which is like art, you know. So it's pretty interesting to think about it that way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, they have been, you know, working on it for quite a long time. Um, it's just that the the amount of data combined with the size of the neural nets, combined with the compute power, um, mm -hmm. and some techniques like transformers have all p kind of been have all intersected at the right time to create mm -hmm. the ultimate turning point in. I think human history right now, which is in the past six months, we've had AI yeah. kind of shift into the beginning of AGI with text and photos. Um, now going to music, the question is: there are still a lot of things that that AI can't do as good as a human, and yeah. um, in terms of intellectual tasks. And so, for example, can AI have a conversation with another human? as good as an average human with- I think it can at this point already. I think it almost I mean, can right now. It can have I've a- played, have conversations with it. It's like pretty good, it can, I mean- Yeah, it can have a text conversation, but in, can it really have like an audio conversation with the nuance and feeling? Right? I think that's really close. That's probably really yeah. easy for them to build an avatar and have the text to voice recognition. Yeah. I think that's very close. It's like that movie, Her. Did you ever see that movie, Her? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it could be It could be within a year or two, you know, that, that happens. I would, yeah, it's going to I think that could be a breakthrough for the large language models is 
you have your digital assistant yeah. um, and it looks like a person, an avatar on the computer, you know, instead of checking your email every morning, your assistant tells you the most important things going on for you and that yeah. things you got to do or whatever it kind of prompts you, you can ask questions. And I think I see that as being like the next, like the big, maybe the biggest uh, breakthrough coming this year, you know, with, with this stuff. So we'll yeah. see. Microsoft yeah. would be the first to probably do that. I would imagine with Microsoft office and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, so right now with AI, the big kind of target that AI has is it's deficient in some areas, in many areas, many things, right? It just, it just, for example, it, it'll do something amazing with a text or a photo and just mess up one thing royally because it yeah. doesn't have kind of this maturity or this, there, it's not at a level where it can um, <clears throat> kind of uh, check for accuracy at a, at a high level, right? It's just kind of mm -hmm. spewing out things. And so the, the question is over time, like how long will it take for AI to remove and kind of cover the, its deficiencies, right? It's inaccuracies, mm -hmm. it's mistakes, all that stuff. How long will it take for these models to get to this place where they're able to kind of weed that out, right? And improve accuracy tremendously. And I think that's what um, the cutting edge researchers are excited about, where they see it as a solvable problem. They see it as like, the, the harder problem is get to getting to this place where it can, you know, make pictures on a, on a regular basis better than humans. Then to mm -hmm. fix this deficiencies, that's more of a minor, it's like, it's a thing that you could just focus on and come up with approaches and, and all this stuff to, to focus on that. And so, yeah, I think we're, it's a definitely a, I think a momentous point in human history right now. Um, and a lot of people are kind of concerned about the actual models and the biases and the models and all that stuff which yeah. I think does have some legitimacy. For me though, the biggest concern is, is more um, like when I look at, when I, when I zoom out in terms of human history, um, I look at, it, there's an authority structure of how um, humans have operated. And over time, humans have given the, uh, the highest authority to governments usually, meaning, mm -hmm. For example, um, who has more power, the U.S. government or Google? And yeah. it's like the U.S. government can take all of Google's property. You know, they could take, yeah. seize all their buildings, all their servers, all their bank accounts. Like there's precedent throughout history of, of governments overreaching and doing crazy stuff. And they could do pretty much anything, right, that people allow for in some ways. Um, and so for me, that's the big question is, is it's not so much what Google will do with AI or what Microsoft will do with AI, all that stuff. I mean, that is concerning. But the more concerning thing to me is what will governments do with AI? Mm -hmm. Maybe in partnership with big players, but mm -hmm. ultimately, like, there's no contest. The government, you know, trumps, um, trumps companies. Um, yeah. And so what kind of new powers will government have over time? It's obviously, I mean, if you think about government in the past hundred years, it's gained a ton of powers of just mm -hmm. surveillance and data and um, the government's role is just immense. And so yeah. if you ever you know, think about what could ever happen that could 10X or 100X the power of a government, it's, it's basically yeah. AI, 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That, this yeah. is the thing that, that could do it. Um, so the question yeah. is, what is going to kind of counter that force? Let's say there's a 100x, you know, jump in government power over the next 10, 15 years or something or 20 years. What's going to somehow give government accountability um, to counter that? And that's a big question mark. Um, do we have things to counter that? And over time, yeah. what will a super AI powered government be able to do? And can citizens like, you know, um, yeah, what, what are the alternatives? That to me is like um, a huge concern of mine. Yeah, I'm concerned about that too. I mean, here in the U.S., as as long as there's you know you, you there's elections you know fairly run elections and um, information is not controlled by the government you know if there's freedom of information flow and freedom of speech which I think Elon's focused on with Twitter um, then I think that's our, our our saving grace here in the U.S. But there's certain parts of the world where uh, it will be much more uh, tricky I think to to not let government uh, get totalitarian control even more than it has now on its populations. So it is going to be, um, certain governments are going to get, you know, absolute power over their populations from this for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. On one angle, you could already say the U S has, has, um, yeah, just in terms of the information and the, the control that they've exercised over the past, you know, decade. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, Pretty sobering, I think. Um, yeah. Ways. Um, yeah. My big concern really is the AI. How do you make this AGI or super intelligence aligned with human interests overall? Like, you know, they can't explain even these large language models, how they, you know, come up with some of these uh, biases or they can't even control some of them. And they're working on that, you know, so there's just like so many weird unexplainable things about these neural networks when it gets to like the grokking point or whatever you, you want to call it to where it just like gets enough data and then figures things out. You know, they can't really explain it a lot of times. I think that's what I, I'm understanding. And uh, that's what I'm worried about is when you create this AGI that maybe evolves into a super intelligence quickly or slowly, whatever, how do you make sure it's aligned with human interests if you can't even explain the biases of these large language models now, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's also, you know, it's hard to align these large language models because um, it, 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 it dives into a lot of philosophy and um, a lot of values mm -hmm. and um, it dives into the core topics that people and societies have struggled with for thousands of years and mm -hmm. it, into the core ideas of, of what is reality, what is truth, you know, mm -hmm. um, like, is there a creator who is, you know, the creator, like yeah. what is life? And mm -hmm. there are so many fundamental questions that it's basically the core of what a worldview is about. Right. Yeah. And the worldview is defined by all the information on to this large language model is defined by all the information it can scrape from the internet and mostly like articles written by journalists and journalists are traditionally, you know, highly left-leaning, you know, people that are, you know, math engineering brained, you know, conservative more generally, like just 
studies on this. They don't go into journalism and writing yeah. articles. You know, people who are kind of artsy and liberal, they go into journalism and media and write articles about their beliefs of that stuff. So that's why I feel like the large language model has those biases, you know, strongly because there's so much more content written on those views across the internet. And that's what, you know, that's interesting. I don't know. That's the best explanation I've heard of the yeah. biases where it comes yeah. from. Yeah. I mean, the question, the, the, the challenge though is, you have they're they're putting like a new layer on top of the language mo language models to try to align them with humans better, right? And so mm -hmm. they're kind of feeding in these values. They're saying, "Oh, don't," because the, the, these la large language models have access to all this data, and they spew out all this crazy stuff because there's so much crazy stuff out there. So it just like it doesn't yeah. have discernment, right? And so. They're trying to put on another layer of basically discernment, you know, like how do you figure yeah. out what to say and what to do in all these situations? Yeah. But in order to do that, you're talking about giving kind of a morality to the to the large language model, but the, it needs to come from a worldview and whoever mm -hmm. programs that. And that's been kind of a huge tension point in, in human history and in societies is how do you yeah. agree on a worldview? And OpenAI is saying, hey, but we'll let you kind of input your worldview or your biases or your political stances, whatever religious stances onto the model so it could treat you in that way. So if you want to tell your the model, hey, I'm of this religion and I'm of this political party and I, I stand on this these issues and treat me and give me answers like that, then it'll become like that to you. That's OpenAI's mm -hmm. kind of response, right? They're saying mm -hmm. we're gonna tailor it to whatever you want it to be. Like that's they're saying mm -hmm. there it's a work in progress, but that's their kind of their solution. But um yeah, I don't know, man. It's a uh, crazy stuff. <laughs> a lot up in the air. We'll see. I bet you like I mean, in six months or a year, there's going to be so much new stuff about this. You know, I mean, ChatGTP as itself right now, I said in the beginning, it's more of a novel. Like right now, it feels like a novelty. I want to see the next versions before I get like uber excited, you know. Um, but I do see the potential for some super exciting things like we're talking about, um, you know. But I see the progress of full self-driving being so slow <laughs> with the neural networks. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if this ChatGTP large language models, if it's going to be a slow progress to get it cleaned up too you know or not yeah yeah i mean to get it to a place of perfection like the 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 whole trail of nines like trying to march of nines trying to get it more yeah. and more accurate i mean that 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 could take some time you know and i think that's yeah. actually an opportunity for businesses and for entrepreneurs so you've got this mm -hmm. march where you've got this incredibly powerful model that think about fsd it's like this great car but let's say let's say FSD in the early days, it like drives, but it makes some mistakes, right? Yeah. And so you've got this large language model, it drives, it does great stuff, but it makes these, these mistakes. And yeah. that the mistakes that because it's making mistakes, that's actually business opportunity for businesses to come in, create a product that kind of um, covers those mistakes or mm -hmm. you know, um, in a way counters those mistakes to present something mm -hmm. that, that opportunity. The, yeah. yeah. The AI can't do it by itself. It can't be as accurate by itself. And so you're adding on to that. So it's a, it's a hybrid thing where these businesses will need to latch on to what, let's say, you know, these large language models have, but bring in their specialty to create mm -hmm. products that AI can't do by themselves. And this is the trillion dollar, the multi-trillion dollar opportunity. Multi -trillion. I mean, we're talking about, yeah. 
the biggest opportunity, I think, in our generation. Um, and that's why, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just don't have time for like to, to search out everything because I'm like, I'm trying to do something where I'm trying to, you know, like I've got multiple interests where I want to help um, my kids learn about business. I get them involved in design and working on this company and the product. I want to help like the most unfortunate kind of people. And that's why language learning appeals to me because I think if they can learn English, it, it really boosts, changes the game. Mm -hmm. Um, and mm -hmm. there's also, you know, business opportunity, but I've got different goals that I'm kind of juggling where it, it, it's not purely like a financial thing that, you know, I want to use AI for, for, for something. But I think, you know, there is, I think a lot of, um, if I was just searching for financial opportunity, I think like I would look for businesses and new businesses and probably start a fund. Or, or join mm -hmm. with others that venture capital fund or something. Yeah, that target. Yeah, that that target businesses that are building completely on top of like OpenAI's technology, yeah. but adding their own layer of data and expertise to that, where it it basically presents a product that that AI can't do by themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the other reason why this is important is open AI has said that this is their business model where they're going to allow businesses to build on top of their technology and they're going to allow businesses to fine tune their model, basically to use these large language models and it's gonna to, be a platform for this. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. So they're going to allow they're supposedly, and this is kind of the, who knows what will happen. Right. Um, but supposedly they're going to give away right? A lot of opportunities because they want to focus on building the core tech. Um, yeah. But we'll see. I mean, a lot of times and giving it away out. goes with like their core mission of open sourcing it to some, you know, to some degree it fits with yeah. that. So that would make sense. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, a fund that just, you know, goes after the, the best company, new companies, startups that build on top of oh, all the funds. I feel like all the venture comes or funds are sort of doing that right now. They're jumping all over this stuff like sharks. <laughs> They're just throwing money at people with a PowerPoint presentation who say machine large <laughs> language learning model or whatever. And it, you know, it's just sort of yeah. it's similar, but I, I, that's what I've heard. Um, so yeah. lots of people are uh, trying to start this stuff up and it's, it's really a hot, you know, yeah. I feel like, topic. I feel like typically AI investments are from like VCs, like a lot of AI investments pre 20, 2022 and before have been with companies mm -hmm. that are trying to create their own kind of models and own tech. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's just starting, like starting the second half of last year where you had the first legitimate chance for a startup to build on an, on let's say open AI's foundation stack. Mm. Like it was just wasn't really top of yeah, stack, it wasn't yeah. really possible before. And so this is actually, I think a new opportunity, all pretty much almost all AI investments pre mid 2022 were AI companies trying to do their own thing, you know, just yeah, models or whatever. But I think, yeah, we have a new, um, new kind of wave, you know, of investments coming, um, and new companies. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. there's gonna be some amazing companies. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if there's any, what the closest pure play in the exchange traded markets would be. I mean, Microsoft owns, you know, what, 20 or 30% of open AI. For, I don't know the exact number, but a significant amount. I of think open it's like AI. 
Yeah, they own. It, I heard rumors it was going to be forty nine, but was it really forty nine percent, or was it did it come in at less? Yeah, like, I don't remember. I don't it was it was yeah. rumored to be something very substantial. I, I know it was at least yeah. twenty or thirty percent, but it might be forty nine percent. I I forgot that, but that would be interesting. But Microsoft is already a two trillion dollar market company, so it's like yeah. it's not really a pure play. But I wonder if there's any what the pure play exchange traded companies would be for this. There's there's got to be something yeah. close. I mean, the 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 challenge though is as a pure play, like you have. To, this is a new, it's a new model. It's a new approach. Yeah. So you're, you have your existing business models that it doesn't yeah. like, it, if you want to go pure play, I think you just got to go with new companies and like, um, yeah. with companies that build on top of, you know, these large language models. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I was watching this one channel. This guy was taking, um, uh, open AI's, uh, API and then, um, they're creating a, a trading bot off of that. So basically you have, um, you create the script and all this stuff. Um, you feed it, fine tune the model with some data and you have it analyze, um, uh, stock prices based upon certain signals and tell you when to buy and, and sell, etc. But mm -hmm. you, you have the intelligence there. I think this is the, this is the thing that I think, um, is so pivotal about the moments right now we're living in is before 2022, actually before just like a few months, like six months ago or something, you didn't really have digital intelligence, a general purpose digital intelligence service to tap into. Mm -hmm. You couldn't just say, take this, put, take this data and just feed it to something and get fed back this, you know, something from yeah. a general purpose intelligence thing. The only thing you had was you had like bits and pieces where you could feed like, you know, uh, translation to this or, you know, voice to text to this or, you know, some categorization to this service, et cetera. But you didn't have a general purpose kind of intelli mm -hmm. digital intelligence where you could just feed something and get it back at a, at a mm -hmm. super high level. Um, yeah, we were trying this. Um, my, like, um, I was having um, one of my developers a few years back trying to like do some stuff to bring AI into an app we we're working on. And it was just like mm -hmm. so hard because there wasn't anything there. Like it was just yeah. like tiny pieces of stuff. We had to go to like Google ML engine and, you know, feed in all this, all these numbers. And we didn't get back something very interesting. It wasn't like a, a mind, a digital mind. You could just feed into and get something back. Right. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. So what we have now for the first time is it's a game changer because now we could just feed in anything and have this model shoot back something like have the, mm -hmm. the digital intelligence shoot back. So it's digital intelligence as a service, right? It's, it's basically like, you know, all these cloud services, we're doing like compute as a service, storage as a service, yeah. right? All this stuff for the first time in history, we have something called digital intelligence as a service. It's mm -hmm. just starting right now. This is the turning yeah. point, the pivotal turning point. And yeah. you can feed it into this digital intelligence as a service, get back, right? Based upon, you know, the, these huge models, uh, stuff that you can't get back on just small models. It just, you know, the quality is, is much higher. And so it's just gonna, I think it's, it's just gonna radically change everything. Um, you don't have to make your own AI models anymore. You know, mm. you just, yeah. The digital intelligence is there on tap, Yeah, you know, yeah. and you feed it what you need to know. You give it like a million numbers, a million data stuff, and you tell it to do something with, like you tell what to do and it'll do it. It'll just, yeah. it's like, 
yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. I don't think, yeah, it's hard to comprehend what comes from this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, um, that's, um, Tesla investor day, Tesla stock and yeah. AGI, um, AI a bit. Um, yeah. Uh, can't wait, um, to, to, um, you're not going to be there, right. Um, for, for investor day, you said you not have for investor day, not this time. Yeah. No. Yeah. But, uh, I'm going to definitely watch it. And, uh, yeah, it's, I wonder if it's going to be like a 10,000 person event or, or 2000, it's probably going to be closer to 10,000 is my guess. Not like more than that. That seems to be, you think it'll be that big. I think it's going to be between five and 10. I mean, the semi and truck really? event was like 3000 people and I don't think it'll be more than a thousand personally. Really? Yeah. yeah I don't you know. Think it's going to, they're going to give it small and kind of quaint, like the AI yeah, day sort of thousand. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe my, I'm thinking 5,000, five to 10,000 is my guess, but we'll see. Yeah. 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 Sounds good. All right. Emmett, um, take care. Nice chatting. Um, yeah. And then we'll have to chat again after investor day and, uh, discuss, uh, what our findings are, Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> what we think about it. Yeah. There's going to be a lot to cover. I'm sure. All right. Okay. Take care. I mean, thanks for everyone uh, for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. All right.